0: I see you Stars When you walk in the room There's no such thing as Or you? Won't you be mine? That start a fire, I want to keep you warm Oh, come and strike up the choir, throw open all the doors Oh, I've looked low and high and I've never been so sure Darling, let's start a fire, I want to keep you warm Come and strike up the choir, throw open all the doors Oh, I've looked low and high and I've never been so sure I am yours
1: On behalf of Starling Aaron and their families, I want to thank you all for being here today. You may be seated. Thank you to the many people from Starling Aaron. Thank you for uh, laboring alongside them and with them and for them, and for the many people that have contributed to this amazing opportunity to witness the Lord bringing their lives together in marriage. As we come together today, we get to witness not just any marriage but a marriage that should focus our attention not on Starling Aaron, but on Christ. And this marriage will give us a close-up picture of Christ in His church. Today we get to see the Gospel in action. Our prayer is that your heart would be motivated to worship today for what He has done in the Gospel. So let's get this wedding party started. Mm -hmm. Who gives this woman to be married to this man? Starley and Aaron, I want you to take a a second just to look out. Look around. Look at these witnesses, these people that are here with you today. Many of them have invested deeply in your lives. Many of them have invested deeply even in this ceremony, in this day. And so I I want you just to take this picture in, uh, a picture of gratitude that you would store up in your heart. So at this point in the schedule, the wedding schedule, it says, Joseph, don't take too much time. So I'm going to seek to do that to the best of my ability. I have labeled this wedding charge to you all. Don't Lose sight. Don't lose sight of the great horizon. So I give you this charge. Today we celebrate this great marriage covenant, a picture of the gospel, and that what God has done between two people in marriage, God also says happens when someone is joined to Christ through the gospel. As you look into each other's eyes, You hold hands and you feel a deep sense of belonging, care, trust, devotion. And you commit today to be together forever. This deep sense of belonging and lasting love is what we experience when we are joined to Christ. He says the same things to us, about us. He promises to us, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I love you. As I have met with you too, we've discussed marriage being built on friendship it is more than friendship but in no way less than friendship in genesis 2 adam alone was alone and god gave him a helper companion a friend throughout the bible we see in many other places the bible speaking to this marriage as a friendship in song of solomon the woman speaks out about her lover my lover this is my friend throughout the proverbs there are many wisdom sayings about true friendship a friend loves at all times And a friend sharpened another friend, like iron sharpens iron. Beautiful picture. I know that you both learned a lot from Tim Keller's book, The Mean of Marriage. And in that book, he has this quote. Friendship arises when two or more discover that they have in common some interest or insight. The man who agrees with us that some question, little regarded by others, is of great importance, can be our friend. That is why those pathetic people who simply want friends can never make any. The very condition of having friends is that we should want something else besides friends. Where the truthful answer to this question, do you see the same truth, would be, I don't care about the truth, I only want you to be my friend. No friendship can rise. Friendship must be about something. Even if it were on an enthusiasm for dominoes or white mice, those who have nothing can share nothing. Those who are going nowhere can have no fellow travelers. End quote. I would argue that the greatest or the greater the interest and the greater the destination, the deeper and the greater the friendship. The greater the cause for commonality. I would also like to remind you what Ray Ortland says. He says marriage is more than a friendship because friendships have boundaries. Marriage has no boundaries because you become one flesh. So take the foundation of friendship, the biblical idea, and build on it as you don't lose sight of the horizon. So a couple of questions come for us. What does the Bible say we should be about in our marriage? What is the common goal? What holds us together? What is the common destination that you share together? What is it that you will not lose sight of? A few more places in the book that Tim Keller writes, he, he takes all of Scripture and he puts it together in a few phrases. Helping each one, helping each other to become our future glory selves. The meaning of marriage, to help one another become our future glory selves, the new creations that God will eventually make us. He also says that what keeps marriage going is your commitment to your spouse's holiness. And any lesser goal than that, any smaller purpose, and you're just playing at being married. And at the end of the chapter, he says, so if we want to be happy in marriage, we will accept that marriage is designed to make us holy. The great horizon, your great destination, your great common interest, holiness, to be like Jesus, to bring him glory. You are fighting for each other's already not yet selves. How cool. And we anticipate this reality of purity and holiness, don't we? Look at you guys. Aaron, I've never seen you look so good before. I mean, we're anticipating that day. Starly, look at you. You're beautiful. You guys are anticipating today. That future day. You've took out all the stops. You've put on the most beautiful and stunned garments. Why? Because we look forward to our future wedding day. Our future wedding. When we will stand before God. Looking into the eyes of our groom. Jesus, pure and spotless. To be together forever in marriage to Him. We long for that day. And so marriage is the already not yet of that coming reality. That He is preparing us for that day. And He is using our earthly marriage to prepare us for that day. So don't lose sight of that great horizon. Being presented to Jesus before God is holy and blameless. We have fancy theological words for this. We are fully justified by the blood of Jesus and we have complete right standing right now before God because of the righteousness of Jesus. And we are currently being sanctified by the Spirit's work in us. And the Spirit is using marriage to get you ready. Marriage is a tool to get you ready for that day. So as you pursue pursue holiness, this great horizon, together as one, how should you do it? How should you go about this? I want to take a, a look at a few places in Ephesians 5 to answer the question, how do we travel this road of sanctification, this process of being made pure and blameless? In Ephesians 5 1, Paul says to be imitators of God as his dearly beloved children. Just before in chapter 4, verse 32, Paul said, Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. That's what we're to imitate in God. Therefore, be imitators of God. Forgive one another. Be tender hearted like God is. But why did God have to forgive you? You guys know that well, don't you? You know well why God had to forgive you. And I doubt I have to remind you of that today. But it is needed and it is helpful for us to look back at what God has brought us out of when he forgave us in Christ. And it will be a helpful thing to remember in your marriage as you look back and you remember what you've been forgiven of. Because it will help you as you forgive and are tenderhearted with one another. Let me take a few moments to rehearse the Gospel for us. God is holy, perfect, righteous. And in the beginning, He created a perfect world. Man had a perfect relationship with God, a vertical relationship with God. And God created man to love, serve, worship, and enjoy Him. Perfection. And then people had a perfect relationship with one another, a a horizontal relationship. And this first relationship started in marriage. You guys aren't married yet, but soon you'll be able to think about what maybe a, per- a perfect marriage might be like, as many of us married people do often, right? I wonder what a perfect marriage would feel like. That's what Adam and Eve had in the beginning, following God's command to, to leave and become one flesh together, to cling to one another and to serve alongside his partners. But quickly, men sinned. They disobeyed God. They began to love themselves and destroyed the horizontal relationship that they had perfectly with God. It was broken. They also destroyed the relationship between one another, the horizontal relationship. They began to love themselves and hate one another. They began to fight and bicker. The Bible says that the penalty of sin is death. Separation from God forever. If God is holy, and He is, we often try to lower our standard, or lower His standard, to try to meet a standard that we could achieve. We try to compare our sin to others. We try to say that our sin really isn't that bad. But the first sin was someone who recently put it, a grasping sin. They were grasping for control, grasping for power. And now we all feel that. On a daily basis. In Genesis 3. Part of the curse is that it says that you certainly will grasp. For the position of your husband. You guys will be in a tussle. A lifelong tussle. If one sin. Could plunge us all into sin. What does that say? About God's holiness. And how bad sin is. So now all men sin, and all men live in a world where death reigns. If we ask the question, have I sinned, and am I a sinner, what would we find? If each of us in here today ask the question, am I a sinner, have, have I really sinned against a holy and righteous God? It wouldn't take long for us to figure that out. You could go to the Ten Commandments, or you could go to the Sermon on the Mountain, Matthew chapter 5 and 6, where Jesus spoke. Have you ever put a God before God himself? Have you ever made anything else a God? Have you ever had hatred in your heart? Jesus said that's murder. Have you ever looked at someone else with lust? God says that makes you an adulterer. Have you ever lied, no matter how small? God says that you're a liar. Have you ever stolen or coveted anything? Sin is ingrained in us, it's deep. We have very deep problems. If you find yourself guilty of breaking any of these, you are in big trouble. You have, enough, have offended a righteous and holy God. And Colossians chapter 1 says that you are God's enemy. But I have good news for you and for all of us today Jesus came to bring us back to right relationship with God and with one another. Jesus made a way for, for humanity to be restored back into relationship with God. But it was very costly. Ephesians 5, verse 2 says that we are to walk in love. What kind of love? It says that Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us. The Gospel. We had no hope. No hope. We could never meet God's standard. And Christ gave Himself up for you, Aaron. Christ gave Himself up for you, Starling. And for anyone that would put their trust in Him. Christ gave Himself up to take their sin away and give them His righteousness. In Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that's not of yourselves. It's not of your own doing. It's the gift of God. You could never work for it. Not a result of work, so that no one may boast. Jesus gave Himself up to bring us back to God. So what's the response? God is holy. Man is dreadfully sinful. But Jesus is sufficient. He took your sin. He lived a perfect life. Holy God and fully man. Jesus came, lived and died, and three days rose again. And He's alive today. And anyone that would put their trust in Him will be brought back into right relationship with God. So man's response is this. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Brothers and sisters listening today, if you are not in relation, right relationship with God, the response is humble yourself. Humble yourself today. How do you do that? First, you repent. You say, I am a sinner. And I am not in right standing with God. And if you can see clearly that you're not in right relationship with God, you need to turn away from your sin. And then you need to trust. Trust God. Put all your trust in Jesus to save you. Nothing that you can do can save you. There are no other saviors. There is no salvation apart from the name of Jesus. And anyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. Jesus took our sin upon Himself and He gave us His righteousness. And now we get to see marriage through this Gospel lens. So as I told you, you are to imitate God by forgiving one another just as God forgave you in Christ. And then you're to walk in love by laying your lives down for one another. Starling Aaron, be imitators of God in your marriage. Walk in love in your marriage. There's also a warning in Ephesians chapter five. A warning. Marriage is not to be entered into lightly. Listen to this in Ephesians five, fifteen through seventeen. Paul says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. I believe that the will of the Lord is for our holiness. To love God and to be like Him. Aaron and Sarley, be careful. Be careful. The days are evil. Evil. There will be many different worldly things that grasp for your attention. Money, fame, importance, comfort. The pattern of the world. I charge you today, do not live according to that pattern. It will just bring more death and more destruction. It will separate your marriage. It will ruin your marriage because that's not your horizon. That's not what you're to lose sight of. You're to not lose sight of the will of God, your holiness, being made like Christ. Instead, brother and sister, live by the pattern of the gospel set in Ephesians 5, verses 22 through 33. Let me read that for you. and I'm saying that it refers to Christ in the church. However, let each one of you love his own wife as himself. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. I want to give each of you a charge from this passage. Starling. My charge to you coming from Ephesians five twenty-two through 24 is make it a joy each day for Aaron to lead you on this journey. Make it a joy for him to lead you, to love you. Make it a joy for him to cherish you that you might be made holy and without blemish. Make it a joy for Aaron to lead you. Aaron, my charge to you coming from Ephesians 5, 25-33 is make it a joy for Starley to submit to you each day. Make it a joy for Starley to submit to you each day as you lead your family toward the great horizon godly living, the great horizon of holiness as you long to see Christ and to be like Him. Make it a joy for Starley to follow you and to submit to you. The marriage between a man and a woman since the beginning has been a normalized yet hidden picture of God's love for us. And all has been pointing to Christ's love for His church. So Aaron and Starley, as you stand here today and make these vows to each other, and you promise to become one flesh, to lay your lives down, to, live, to love one another with an unconditional love, we can see, we get a glimpse of what Jesus has said to us. I will love you. I will serve you. I will take you as my own. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Brother and sister, I would also add, as you look forward to that future wedding day when we stand before God, looking into the eyes of Jesus, remember that it will not just be y'all there. Not just you. There will be people there from every tribe, every tongue, and every nation. So labor for each other's holiness, yes. But brother and sister, labor for the holiness of the church worldwide. Aaron and Starley, don't lose sight of your next wedding day. Let me pray. Father, I thank You for this privilege and this opportunity to stand here today and and get a glimpse of the Gospel that You have reached to us. And You said, I want You to be my bride. And I've paid the price of Your sin. I've given You my righteousness. I will sanctify You. I will cleanse You. I will bring You to that final day. Lord, what joy and what worship that should stir up in our hearts. Lord, I pray that You would allow Aaron and Sarley to be imitators of God in their marriage. They'd be tender-hearted, forgiving, loving, kind toward one another. Lord, I pray that they would walk in love. Lord, I pray for those that are witnessing today, if they've lost sight, if they've lost sight of the great horizon, married or single, Lord, that they would recommit today to to run toward the horizon where, where we can see You Lord, we thank You for doing all of the work to, to free us from our guilt and our shame and our sin debt against You. Thank You for paying the price. Lord, thank You for giving us Your righteousness. Lord, I pray that You would hold Starling and Aaron in this. We love You, Jesus. Amen.
2: This song is a family tradition, very meaningful, first started by my father singing to my mother this wedding prayer. It's a prayer that the bride and groom want to pray right now.
1: Starling Aaron have written their vows and will now give those vows to one another. As I met with them and they put these vows together, I have to tell you, I was humbled and impressed to see the work and intentionality they have put into these commitments. I would remind you all that you are witnesses to these vows. You are partakers in this married covenant by sitting here today and listening. So I, I ask you to listen closely. I ask you to lean in and give your attention to these vows as they say them to one another. Aaron, I'll ask you to go first.
3: Starlean, the Lord has made us significant players in each other's gospel narrative. And it is in our marriage to one another that we will experience all the more the fullness of God in Christ. In light of the glorious new covenant in Christ, revealed to us through the gospel, I covenant with you. In light of God's perfect love for us and his church, I vow to love you. I will forgive you as Christ has forgiven me. I will seek to serve you sacrificially, encourage you with the hope of the gospel, and honor you. I will be persistent in my prayer for you. As your husband, I will seek to love you sacrificially as Christ loved the church. I will cherish you. I will care for you and protect you. I will lead you as I am led by Christ and show you honor as a co-heir of the grace of life. I will live with you in an understanding way with gentleness and patience. I will take you to be my wife in in, uh, righteousness, justice, love, compassion, and faithfulness. The Lord has gifted us to one another uh, as fellow travelers on the road to glory, as instruments of one another's sanctification. It is only with the help of God's spirit inside me and the community given to me in the church that I have any hope of fulfilling these vows to you. Please pray for me. With these vows, I bind myself to you alone and my life to yours until the Lord calls us home or returns for his own.
4: Aaron. The Lord has made us significant players in each other's gospel narrative. It's in our marriage to one another that we will experience all the more the fullness of God in Christ. In light of the glorious new covenant in Christ, revealed to us through the gospel, I covenant with you. In light of God's perfect love for us and his church, I vow to love you. I will forgive you as Christ has forgiven me. I will seek to serve you sacrificially, encourage you with the hope of the gospel, and honor you. I will be persistent in my prayers for you. As your wife, I will seek to be trustworthy, a wife of noble character. I will speak to you and about you in a way that honors you and builds you up. I will submit to you in all all things, but always speak the truth in love. I will diligently serve you and our family in humility and gentleness. I will respect you. The Lord has gifted us to one another as fellow travelers on the road to glory, as instruments of one another's sanctification. It is only with the help of God's spirit inside me and community given to me in the church that I have any hope of fulfilling these vows to you. Please pray for me. With these vows, I bind myself to you alone and my life to yours until the Lord calls us home or returns for his own.
1: At this time, Aaron and Starley will exchange rings as a symbol of their covenant. May I have the rings, please? As you wear these rings, may they be a constant reminder to you of one another and the deep bond of faith, trust, and love which they represent. Aaron, take Starley's hand in this ring and repeat after me. Starley, I give you this ring. Starley.
3: Starley, I give you this ring. As
1: a lasting symbol
3: and sign of these vows. As a lasting symbol and sign of these vows.
1: And the covenant made with you today.
3: And the covenant made with you today.
1: start if you would take Aaron's ring. and Repeat after me. Aaron, I give you this ring.
4: Aaron, I give you this ring.
1: As a lasting symbol and sign of these vows.
4: As a lasting symbol and sign of these vows.
1: And the covenant made with you today.
4: And the covenant made with you today.
1: We will now invite Drew and Emily to lead us in worship in light of the great gospel that has brought Aaron and Charlie together. Their first act as an almost married couple. Christ be all. Let's stand and sing together.
2: Oh, So from shame and all
1: What God has brought together, let man not separate. And Starley and Aaron, now that you have covenanted before our triune God and these witnesses that stand with you, I now pronounce you husband and wife. Aaron, you may kiss your bride. And now I pronounce to you or announce to you it's my honor, my privilege, and joy for the very first time to introduce you to Mr. and Mrs. Aaron Stevens.
5: It's in my
1: Thank you so much for joining Starling Aaron on this day. Uh, what a, a joy it has been. And it's not over yet. There's a, or a rehearsal. We did that last night. There is a reception at Tower View Baptist Church. And uh, Starling Aaron would ask for you to head there now, unless you are a member of Central Baptist Church or a member of their families. We're going to stay for a quick picture. But everybody else, there's games and shenanigans at the church waiting for you and we'll be over soon so we'll we'll be there you're dismissed